Greetings and welcome. Thank you to each and every listener for joining us today for my podcast on What Brings You In. My name is Bradley Wink, and I am an aspiring mental health counselor here to promote mental health awareness, discuss mental health topics, and spread some positive energy. Today, we will be discussing mental health and how it correlates to grief and loss. The concept of life can be quite the complexity to consider. For as many pleasurable and joyful moments as we experience in life, inevitably, there will also be times of sorrow, grief, and loss. It would be quite difficult to go through life and not lose someone who is close to us. When someone is grief-stricken, our entire world can seem like a dark and scary place. One minute we are living our lives and going about our day-to-day, and suddenly someone who we have known our entire lives or someone we rely on for stability, support, and essentially our own wellness can be gone. So how do we work through these somber moments in life? What keeps us going when there seems to be nothing left to hold on to? As always, before we get started, the views, information, or opinions expressed in this podcast are solely the views of those individuals involved and by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the host and guests can change at any time. At time, this podcast may cover sensitive topics and we ask you refrain from listening if you are likely to be offended or adversely impacted by any of these topics. Neither the company, the producer, the host, nor the guest shall at any time be liable for the content covered causing offense, distress, or any other reaction. I am not a licensed mental health counselor, and this podcast should not be used to substitute for actual mental health support. So I do fully intend for this to be a heavier episode, but I know it is important to have these discussions and ultimately try to use what we know about mental health to our advantage. Because though mental health will never be a cure-all for making our pain completely go away, it can be a tool to navigate us through our grief. And as we will get to many times with grief, it's not about not feeling the hurt, but learning how to live with the sorrow while honoring our own lives and respecting those who have passed and how they have influenced and impacted our journey. My guest today is Carrie Johnson, who currently works alongside myself at Parlor House Bistro in Dunedin, Florida. To me, Carrie has lived quite a nomadic life, if you will. She is a type of person who lives life to the fullest. She doesn't take one moment for granted. She is a type of person who sees the world for what it is, and she knows experiencing the world is the only real way to do this. In fact, for many years, Carrie and her husband have split their time between their summers in Alaska, working in the hospitality and tourism industry, and then they come back to Florida and reside here during the off-seasons or the colder months for the rest of the country. As a friend, I must say I have always appreciated the positive outlook Carrie has. Working together in the restaurant, I see her every day using her logic and problem-solving skills while maintaining her poise and her upbeat demeanor. Carrie has of recent, unfortunately, lost her father. And naturally, I have shared the process of this podcast with my coworkers at Parlor House. And when I was designing the layout of the episodes, Carrie was more than willing to participate and graciously offered to tell us her story of grief and loss with the hopes of having other listeners who are out there to relate to her story and hopefully offer a hand of support for those who are working through their own loss. So Carrie, thank you for being here today. I'm so glad to have you with me. Happy to be with you. Well, thank you. Thank you. And before we dive in, I know I did mention this is likely going to be a heavier episode, uh, but yeah, as you'll probably see between Carrie and I, 
we have a we have a way of kind of bringing some humor into what we discuss. And we just want to say this is not by any means of us using humor as a deflection tool. We're just using this as a way to communicate because it is going to be subjective to everybody who's experiencing their own mental health journey. So Carrie, just so listeners can be on the same page, could you tell us um, what you're willing to share about the story of your father's passing? Um, I mean, I'm willing to share any details or answer any questions. I don't really have any. It's an, it's an open book. Right. Right. So could you tell us about, um, how, how things transpired with, with your dad? So I knew that he had cancer, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know really how bad it was. And I don't, I think fair amount of denial went into this Mm -hmm. from all parties involved. Right. Right. Until, uh, you know, it just kind of got the best of all of us. Right. So it was very sudden when you learned. (laughs) Yes. And no, like I knew it was coming, but then like three days prior, they were saying that he was the healthiest patient on Mm. that floor. And so it goes from that until now he's going home to hospice care. And then the very next day. And then the next day. So it was a very quick transition. Yeah. Is when we lost him. Yeah. Right. And, And how long ago was that? Two and a half years. Two and a half years ago, yeah. So we're still, and it's it's important to know because as we will get to with certain things in grief and with loss, you know, everyone's again subjectivity is very important because it's not going to be a one way or a one one grief fits all type of situation. There's a couple of different things with some psych aspects that we're going to get into with that. But can you remember how it felt, um, kind of immediately after you learned about your father's passing? It, well, I was there, but I immediate acceptance, just like, well, that's, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And my father's family has the Scandinavian, like, you know, almost seemingly callous mm-hmm. perspective to it. But it's so matter of fact, just okay. like, well, you know, death is just a part of life. It happens when it right. happens. And what do you, you know, what can you do? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so, it, the, the, so the Johnson in me immediately had that reaction and uh-huh. it took a while and I think shock. You know? Yeah, shock It at takes first. a minute to accept that like this is real. Yeah. This is happening to you. Right. And you also had a situation where you do not live in the same state as what your father was living. No. So you were in Florida at the time. I lived in Florida at the time and both of my sisters also came in from out of town. So we... Met up in Maryland mm-hmm. and then happened to be there, mm-hmm. fortunately. Wow, when it, for the, when it yeah. happened. Well, yeah. it's good that you were there. And sorry, I don't think I've said that. I am sorry for your loss. I know I've said that to you a million times, but, you know, with no, on, in, yeah. in the conversations that we are having, you know, I know what we are getting to with this. And, and, and the reason I bring that up about the different areas of the country, that's just another added level of stress that does happen when oh, somebody. Absolutely. I, <laughs> during that time, I was in the middle of moving. Oh, I was like my household. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. my husband and my stepson had to do all of that by themselves. And <laughs> it didn't it didn't go smoothly. Right. Right. It didn't. Make... So, not at all. There yeah. were a lot of factors that went into it. And I was busy trying to buy a washer and dryer online, like in the middle of all of this. Right. There was a payment or something that the realtor lady had missed. And so she called me while I was at the funeral home, like picking out an urn. To right. put ashes in. Right. And was like, I'm going to need you to give us, like, you know, however many, whatever, however much right. more. Right. Right. Like, like, right now, can yeah. we, like, can we 
Seriously, the best time yeah. to have that kind of conversation. It was a whole fiasco. A whole right. fiasco. They called me because they couldn't get in touch with my husband. Oh to, yeah. Just a whole, yeah. right, right, and then disaster. Well, and then even just traveling on top of that. I mean, going. I mean, how many times? I think a lot of people have probably been there where you get on a plane, you finally get to your destination, but we don't realize what traveling can take out of us. And then I feel like everybody gets sick, or there's the sniffles, or there's the this or the that, and then on top of your grief and your mourning. I mean, because at that point, it's a very, very new concept to be kind of considering the shock is maybe not even worn off yet. So those first couple of days after somebody does pass away are very stressful to begin with, but I can see how that would have transpired with everything else that went into it. It's an emotional time for sure. And you never know how you're going to react to it. You don't know what situation will bring what emotional reaction from you. Right. It's a real roller coaster. It is a roller coaster. And you know the story about the airport. Yeah. And I was going to say, there is something to be said too about the way that other people kind of respond when people are grieving because you never know with that either. I mean, if you want to share that story, it's (laughs) yeah. Yeah. These are, these are good things to know so that you don't find yourself in this situation. There's paperwork that they give you at the funeral home that says that what you were carrying in this urn is human remains. It has a name on it. It's a whole thing. You give that to TSA, but the TSA agent that I encountered didn't really bother to read that or look at it and instead Mm. turned the urn upside down and shook it. Oh, yeah. And then tried to open it. Uh Uh-huh. And so my sister's losing it and she's very upset and like shaking, shaking. Yeah. And then I'm getting like mad in her defense, but trying not to, you know, yell at TSA because it's not going to help me at all. Right. It uh, it turned into a whole big thing. A supervisor had to come over and take control. She was awesome. She was fantastic. I, yeah. I had to I had to yell at somebody in that situation right. because yeah. it emotionally charged. And so what I yelled at him was, "I hope if you ever find yourself in this situation, that somebody is way nicer to you." Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the nicest <laughs> way of yelling like, at somebody. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, As, you know, I got it out of my system. I had to give him a good hard like yeah. talking to, but yeah. you know. And then I asked the supervisor to give him some sensitivity training because I don't want him to put anyone else through that. Right. I mean, come on, man. Do you think he did not know what it was? He didn't believe what it was. And then like my sister's voice was literally shaking. And she's like, please do not do not open that. Do not open that. And he's like, ma'am, you need to step back and just let me do my job. I'm like, I think you need to step back right, in this, right, in right, this right. scenario. And that's right. when supervisor came over and was gotcha. like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on here? She sent him on a quick 15-minute break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that is, yeah, because people, some people just don't, they don't know what it's like to empathize with other people who are going through their own their own shit. He's just know? dealing with like, you know, he's pushing people through with a cattle prod basically. Right, like right. I don't have time for and your being... nonsense and whatever. And I'm like, there's a letter, there's a letter. And I wasn't even able to formulate sentences properly right. because I was right. already just like, it, like physically exhausted. Mm-hmm. Cause I'd been awake for days. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, add on the emotional, whatever, and then travel on top of that is yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so you have to steel yourself to be ready for anyone at any time to not care. They don't care. They've got their own thing going on. Like people die every day. Like whatever lady, just get out of the line. Like, you know, nobody cares. And that's that's what they're (laughs) getting at. In the moment, they're not there. They're just there to do their job. Right. Especially, well, especially too, like when you're out of 
you know, like when you're not in that environment, you know, I mean, depending on how you did your services or how you did, you know, I mean, in those environments, people will be supportive, but the outside world, it is one of those things. People are still going as soon as you step outside of that immediate situation, everyone's already back to their like daily life. They they were the whole time. That's what they're doing. Right. So I think that is important to say, like, if you are just, you never know what somebody's going through. We know this, you know, I mean, I could never imagine doing what that TSA agent did. I mean, I think he maybe lacked a little foundation of, of human services, if you will. But, I think he gets it now. Yeah, now, <laughs> that's what we're hoping. Um, but, you know, so you do mention that you had your sisters during that time. Did you have, what was your support unit like? So when I was there at the house, my father's wife was there and then both of my sisters. And we fortunately kind of naturally fell into our own roles. And so one of my sisters made sure we all ate and right. took time to do that and right. handled that part of it. The other one made sure that we spent time with dad and mm-hmm. had conversations and went in, mm-hmm. in, you know, shifts kind of to mm-hmm. have someone on one time and say what you wanted to say, which was crucial because right. I was avoiding that. Mm-hmm. And so she mm-hmm. was the one to kind of enforce like, you need to go say what you'd like to say, what's on your mind. And so she was good with that, with the emotional part of it. My dad's wife kept, you know, all manner of, uh, all things medical involved. And then I handled the, uh, medication part of it. Oh, okay. So like the whole chart of Mm. what to take and when, and Mm -hmm. you know, all of that, that was, that fell on me and we didn't discuss it. Right. It just, it just happened that way. Right. Right. So you just kind of fell into your natural. Yep. Whatever we're best at, what we do, I just went home and made, or went back to their house and made a chart. Right, right. And so we work together kind of brilliantly in that aspect. I'm so, so, so grateful for that. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. know how. I don't know how people do it. Yeah. And that's not their situation. But that's not what they have. Well, a lot of times there's outside resources they have to, they have to depend on. And especially like if there is no other family, it would be. Yeah, we all say like, if you don't have the most supportive family, sometimes you make your own family. So hopefully they, have, you know, there are support units in those sense. But it is difficult. I mean, this is and and there's no, there's no script for what to do. There's no real way of knowing how to do something after the loss is experienced. So it's yeah, it's it's tough. Everyone's just kind of numb, and family absolutely is meant in the sense that your closest friends are your family. Right. And, you know, when you come together in this kind of situation, it's it's surprising to learn how resilient yeah. right. people can be and well, how well they can work together if you just right. let your natural roles happen Yeah, yeah, and support each other yeah. and... You know, and that's how it goes. No, I mean, when someone that. needs a minute to step away, no, when someone right. needs a hug. Right. And, and... Well, I come from a big family and actually on both sides of the family, they're essentially they're kind of split up. And, you know, when there is a death, though, you do kind of see how people do come together. I mean, they it, all of a sudden it's, you know, one who had people who haven't spoken years are now offering support. And, and at least it's something, you know what I mean? It's not going to go heal wounds from however long ago, but it is. I think they're if there is any sort of silver lining, there is always some sort of camaraderie that does come from loss. And it's not the way that we would want to experience it, but it is something that does come from and something to be aware of, you know, especially, and it's funny because I mean, I've talked about it on this podcast before. We don't know who the audience really is yet. You know, we don't know if there is an audience out there. And we've always said, we don't care if it helps one person or 40,000 people. I mean, because there could be somebody who's listening, who's never experienced a big loss before, or somebody who's experienced multiple. 
and, you know, just kind of helping to guide sort of along certain, certain things from your perspective, but then also from the mental health perspective of certain things that we can do. So, uh, with that, you know, was your, was the, was losing your father, like one of the biggest losses that you've had, or have you lost anybody else? No, for sure. When I was nine, I lost my Nana and that was the first like big hit for me as, as a kid. Uh, and then my grandpa died just about a year and a half later. Okay. So that was kind of a, a huge hit for a child. Right. Right. But it's, it's very different when you're losing a parent. That's what I was just going to say. I've lost all of my grandparents, but I have not lost a parent. And I've, I've been told from people, I mean, that is a very, and and it doesn't matter really what your age is. I mean, when you lose a parent. This is something that almost everyone is going to deal with. Right. Right. You know, at some point or another, it's, you know, quote unquote normal for you you to lose your parents within your lifetime. Typically, you, you know, kind of expect that it'll be later in your life Always and later in their lives. Always to be later, yeah. So, right. Uh, so I had I just turned 40 mm-hmm. and my dad was 60. And so that yeah. just seemed like a, like, no, yeah. not, no, not yet. Because right. like, he's only 60. So right. what? No. <laughs> right. And yeah, and that's not supposed to be happening right, right. now. But it's never going to, and there's never going to be a time where that's going to feel like it's the right age. And that's always kind of that bargaining that kind of comes with, with death. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, you're never going to be ready. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's just the the reality yeah. of it. Um, so have you, or how would you say you managed your grief during like your initial grief during that time? I thought I was doing a great job and then it just kind of plummeted like mm. out of nowhere, mm-hmm. like the depression part like super duper set in and I went to some crazy dark places yeah and that's yeah. that's a very real thing that I had never experienced before yeah, yeah. and didn't you know I, I let my, I'm a planner yeah 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 I like to know things are coming and that was out of left field for me right never right. had experienced that in my life and you, so, have you ever experienced depression before that no no nothing. My, it runs rampant in my family but okay. i have managed to evade it thus far i haven't had real depression gotcha you know, we gotcha. all go down into the doldrums from time to time mm-hmm. but not a lasting thing yeah. yeah or anything that has required for me medication to yeah step up and out of right. the situation right i've been fortunate in yeah. that sense that i haven't had to deal with actual depression so when i did mm-hmm ill-prepared and yeah. didn't recognize the obvious signs and yeah. did not know what to well, do. Well, that's what I was going to ask was, did you realize it was depression when Ooh, you were in it? Not. No, I had right. no idea. Could you describe it for somebody who's maybe never understood? Uh, I didn't I didn't want to kill myself, but I didn't want to be around anymore. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> and yeah. so somehow, like, those things both made sense in mm-hmm. my brain at mm-hmm. that time. My husband was very concerned. <laughs> right, right. And I, this is how it came to the point where I called the suicide hotline multiple times. Yeah. And also when I learned that usually they don't answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, well, that is a huge issue right now. And and it's, it, even on this podcast, I do give a, a resource at the end of it. And, yeah, you know, please, and, I, and you. I tell people, you know, there is somebody who will be there. And what the reality is, is that there may not always be somebody there right away. And it's, it's bad. I mean, there is a shortage of counselors right now. There is a shortage of people who are working in the human services field. And I'm not saying that's okay. I think that's definitely something we need to, we need to fix because when somebody gets to that, that point where they do need the help, that's a hard call to make. And then to not have somebody there 
what do you think that kind of does for individuals who are in need? So right. I'm sitting here nodding, thinking like about like sitting in the dark bathroom in yeah. like a bathrobe by myself in the dark, just right. calling the suicide hotline. And it just rings and rings and like to the point that like I just started snickering. Like, yeah, because Jesus, you, I like, mean, at least you were able to find kind of yeah that that moment like there of what right, right. <laughs> this is not how this is supposed to work. No, I'm pretty yeah. sure that they're supposed to like answer and help you out, talk you out of stuff. Right, right. Whatever they do. Right. Yeah. Eventually, well, I did reach somebody, and then they were supremely unhelpful. We're mm. like, well, I mean, you're not okay, so you're like not in. You said you're don't want to kill yourself like right now. And it was like, well, no, but I just like, I feel like I just maybe need some resources for like someone to talk to. And they're like, okay, well, there's not like, if you're not going to kill yourself, like there's not a whole lot that I can do for you. <laughs> right. Like you almost feel like you should say that you were just to see, but then you, wherever that's going to go from there. Right. Like yeah. what an insane conversation with someone on the suicide hotline. Like you pull your phone away and just like look at it. Like what, for real? Right. Like, like this is what I'm, this is what I'm doing all right. right now. This is like what's there's happening. not a whole lot I can do for you. Cool. So, All right. So I guess I'll pick up these pieces and move on. Right. Well, did you ever, so, and I think I did ask you this. I don't quite remember. Did you ever go, have you ever gone into counseling before or have you ever had a counselor or therapist? I had a therapist uh, once upon a time who I had a couple sessions with, but she basically told me that she couldn't help me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, okay. I do remember that. That's right. You did yeah. tell me that. So, um, well, and the reason why I bring this up, and I'm very honest with my guests before they come on here, I'm like, you don't have to have had a good uh, counseling experience to be on here. We're not here trying to fluff anything. I mean, the the reality is some people do go to counseling and it's not a good experience and that turns them off from going to counseling further. And it's the importance. We do talk about it in an episode with a counselor. We talk about the importance of finding a good counselor and finding the good or the best fit that you can. Uh, because I just, I feel so bad for you in that situation when you were sitting there in the bathroom and you know, because the reality is if you had a good counselor, you could have definitely re those are moments where you reach out to your counselor. It doesn't really matter what time of day it is. It doesn't matter what's going on. And even just to have that one person there right in that moment that can say, Hey, you know, I, I hear your feelings. Your feelings are valid. I'm here. Let's talk, you know, because that's the only thing you can really do unless you do need further assistance. And at that point, that would be a, on the counselor. But still, that's a resource that could be right there when you do need it. Um, and I am very sorry that you went through that. That's, I mean, and that's, and as somebody who works in this field, who's passionate about this field, this is not something we need to be having happen. Right. That's a lot of that is on me though, for not seeking out a different counselor when I had a not so great experience Knowing now, after talking to you so many times about the topic, mm -hmm. yeah, I know that what I should have done was just go to a different counselor. Right. But instead, I was like, well, all right, well, I guess counseling is not for me. Well, and, and that's, that's what that's what happens to exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. And we thought that was yep. my own experience with it. Now I work in this field. You know, I right. mean, it's it happens very, very quickly where you have that bad experience. And we work in a restaurant. What do we always say? <laughs> we say for every good experience your person, your, your, your guest is going to tell one person, right? Oh, yeah. oh, Hey, I had a great meal at parlor house. They're going to tell their, their friend. They had a horrible meal. They're going to tell 10 people. Right. Absolutely. So there is that stigma right there that says, Hey, in, in counseling, we see it all the time, especially culturally. We see a lot of different cultures that don't really believe in counseling. Anyway, they kind of go in with bad attitudes. And as soon as they get that one little piece of validation that this is, this is, this is quack, this doesn't work for me. 
then they're telling all of their friends are just reinforcing this notion that counseling is not good. So it, it's very easy to fall into that statistics of people. I did it. We, we both did it. We're both part of that statistic of people that had a bad counseling experience and said, you know what? Counseling is just not for me. And that's why I'm bringing it up again, just because I really want to reinforce out there. You know, I mean, I know right now counselors are busy. It's very hard to get in with a good vetted counselor. But once you do, it can be a matter of life or death in some situations. I should have sought out a, a counselor yeah, to well, help me through that situation. It wasn't that, you know, other people who, who care about me in life didn't suggest it. Right. I just don't like addressing feelings. Yeah. And so, yeah. You know, and that's, that's kind of what therapy is about. So <laughs> that would be a very difficult. <laughs> mustn't have that. Yeah. The, Yeah. So that was a big part of it. I totally understand that. I get it. And, and denial was, again, the most prevalent part of it and the stages of grief. And that's yeah, not, yeah. not to we're delve gonna, into that. We're going to delve we'll get into, into that. that. Yeah. But right. I, yeah. Before we get into there's one thing. <laughs> I, well, I do want to ask, too, or I think I want to – I know you told me – well, how did you celebrate your father after his passing? Because you guys did we something – like in like the midst of COVID times. Like oh, that's right. Right smack dab at the – well, more towards the beginning, not in okay. the middle of it. Uh, yeah. So, but did you want to share when you spread? You spread his ashes, <laughs> right? Several. The first time it was all like I was, you know, all emotional about it. I carried his ashes around with me in a backpack around Alaska for like months, trying mm -hmm. to find just the right spot and just the right time and whatever. Mm -hmm. Finally, I found a spot and had myself a good old cry and an emotional yeah. moment or whatever. <laughs> and then the second time I was in the middle of a river. I had like climbed out there and was having this moment of reflection <laughs> and the dogs who were hiking with us just came like crashing through the river and covered me with water and a whole bunch of water, like just shook off. Right. So yeah. Water so straight can... into the urn. Okay. Gotcha. Into gotcha. the urn. I dropped the cap into the water and then like all I could do was cackle in that situation. <laughs> like, oh, well, There's... sorry, dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Here you, you know, dry it off on your sleeve and put it back yeah. on. So what I discovered from that is that if you get ashes in even like remotely kind of wet, they kind of cement together. Okay. Gotcha. Right. So now I keep gotcha. tweezers in the little container with ashes so I can pull out. Pe I know. I yeah. know. Yeah. The fact yeah. that I've become so like casual about this is fantastic. <laughs> it means I've come a long way. So by the end right. of it, this summer in Alaska, this past year, well, spread ashes all over the place. Like, right, oh, this right. is our cool lunch rock where I gotcha. would have brought him had gotcha. he been able to come. But he always wanted to go okay. to Alaska, and he didn't have the opportunity before he got too sick. Gotcha. And so I decided, you know what? I'm just going to bring Dad my backpack everywhere, and if I see a cool spot, we're going to put some ashes there because gotcha. I would have brought him here anyway. So right, right. Now he's been. Well, that's a very, that's a neat way of honoring him. Yeah. You know, I mean, and and you know, I I feel like, and especially when it comes to after death services i mean everyone is different you know and so if that's some, especially like if that's something your dad would have wanted then i think that's i think ultimately probably wouldn't have wanted or found necessary a full-on funeral and mm -hmm. the official ceremony we couldn't do anything because of covid so right it was just my dad's wife and my sisters and me kind of quarantined in that house mm. And then we headed on to our separate ways or whatever. And so we, right. about a year and a half later, were finally able to convene at Yosemite. Right. And did the official first ashes spreading there with the, the large urn. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
another thing to note that people don't tell you about spreading ashes. Uh, we like leaned over a waterfall, right at the right at the top of a mountain in Yosemite. It was breezy up there, and we all like every last one of us got covered in ashes, like oh. as we were trying to. Right. As you're trying to. Right. Spread. And so you like you can't like brush it off. And so we all just kind of looked at each other and just walked around covered in ashes for the rest of the day. Well, it is a little different, right? It's because it's it's decomposing. Yeah, it's, it was a chemical it's a process chemical, that yeah. they use now. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> brings me back to yet another point yeah. of things that people don't tell you that they should or maybe shouldn't. I don't know. The lady at the funeral home gave me so much detail about the process. Mm. Yeah, things of how you- it's not like, yeah. So I knew that it was going to be a cremation. I didn't know it was chemical process. Right. She told me like a lot about what goes down. And I'm like, can right. you stop talking? Like, why? Well, I, I didn't ask for any of this information. This is what yeah. I didn't, I don't want to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's dude. Right. Like, especially when it's so fresh and things are <gasps> yeah, now, like two, now two days. And then yeah. she's just busy telling me like how the breakdown goes. Like I didn't. Right, and I've I've met people in general who are kind of uncomfortable with the idea of cremation to begin with. Yeah. So you know, I mean, there's there's some sort of I mean, again, sensitivity training. I mean, that's kind of a common. Notion I know that here. she deals like, with it every day, so you can become desensitized to that if right, you right. are you, you own a funeral home. Yeah. This yeah. is like this old is news you for you. Every day. But yeah, yeah, not only is the whole entire concept new for me, but like it's my dad. Like, yeah. can you like can you not? Right. The things that we don't need I don't want to know. No. I didn't want to know that. Yeah. I didn't ask. Yeah. And I feel like if you just said that, did did you tell her that? Like, did you tell her like, hey, this is something like I appreciate you explaining the process? No, because but... it took an entire Xanax before I went. So <laughs> right, right. So you were you were in a place. <laughs> I wasn't of... really able to say much of anything. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. I had also my first like not panic attack by any means whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I didn't think I was having a heart attack or I was going to die, but I didn't feel right and had like super anxiety, mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. crazy anxiety, mm-hmm. and. Like freaked out, like hyperventilating, breathing before right. we went to the funeral home. So my sister gave me his annex about it, and yeah. off we went. Yeah, yeah. And then later, I fell asleep in the lady's office while she was talking about some kind. I don't know. Right. Well, you were in your grieving process and doing what you had to do. Yeah. So I do want to, you know, in in the same way that we are talking about, you know, a heavier topic today, but we do like to keep positive spins on things here, you know. And so I, you know, what what is something? Um, about your dad that you will always remember? Think about the uh, the right one that I want to say. I mean, everything. Like, yeah. it was so cool. Yeah. I wish for you that you'd met him. I know. I know. What was the question? <laughs> Just, you know, what's something, what's something that you're always going to, what's, what is something you're always going to remember about him or like something really that just makes you happy when you think about him? Oh, his smile. I got to make him smile a lot. Oh, oh. well, I'm glad that you had that that's very special yeah well i love that and you know i don't want to make this too heavy i'm trying to make this more uh you know and it's 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 and this is a great example it's it's very hard to do that when we reflect and we talk and we we get into it but i mean he did he led a very interesting life from what you have told me about him so you know and i want to get into it we were briefly mentioned the stages of grief which is one of those things that is important because I do think in psychology, I think it's safe to say most people are somewhat familiar with what the stages of grief are, mostly because they have been kind of brought mainstream. So I've it was introduced by Kuba Ross, um, and the stages of grief 
really, I, I mean, I noticed it was even in a comedy show that I watched. Like it was in New Girl. I don't know if you ever watched that, but Schmidt's ex-lover was having a breast reduction. So he went through the stages of grief over what he was considering that to be a loss. Um, but what was funny about it, and I mean, from like my psych perspective, I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my God, it doesn't work like that. Um, but it, just to say them in order, the stages of grief are denial, followed by anger, then bargaining, depression, and then finally acceptance. But I know you probably had uh, a few things to say about the stages of grief, right? Yeah, I knew what they were and thought that I was doing such a great job by recognizing each stage as it happened. I knew that they weren't necessarily going to happen in order that they're listed on a piece of paper. So I was like, oh, that's this one. This came first. Uh, But what I did not know and did not see coming is that they keep happening. Yeah. It circles yeah. back around again. So I'm like, all right, denial definitely covered that one real hard. And then, you know, you get to the acceptance phase and I'm like, all right, checked off all the boxes. <laughs> on we go. Like, and then it just, yeah, out of nowhere. Right. I'm unloading the dishwasher by the myself at home. And all of a sudden I'm like bawling and having yeah. myself a good on, like good full on depressed moment. And yeah. Like, what? Like, I thought I already went through this. We covered this already. As somebody who is a planner, you're like, okay, let's probably just get it done, right? Right. Like, let's just go through them. We'll be said and over with. Yes, not that I was, like, eager to get it over with, so to speak. But Mm -hmm. I just, you know, I wanted to have covered each stage and Mm -hmm. dealt with it and processed it so that I can move on with my life. To the next, right. Yeah, it doesn't stop. It just keeps happening over and over again at unexpected times. And I was not ready for that. Well, it is important for people that don't know. So when Kuva Ross wrote those, um, she wrote them in her book on death and dying. And this was after years of working with terminally ill patients. So much of what was described in the stages of grief were actually from the perspective of one knowing their own death or knowing their own mortality. So over the years, though, they have adapted. And now we see that these stages are also being used for other individuals and how they would experience someone that they are losing. So it it is funny how they've kind of turned into what they are. But in general, because even the most generalized um, recognized feelings within the stages of grief are still emptiness, sorrow, anger, and withdrawal, which are all things that you're likely to experience when you are grieving. And there is also an important note that there is a difference between grief, which is kind of that sudden instant, what you're feeling like the, the waves of grief that will come over you versus grieving, which is the process of doing so. So we're always kind of keeping that in mind. And just for people who do think kind of maybe the way that you did Carrie, like how, oh, it's just going to be, you know, you're going to go from this one to that one. It's, it's not, you know, you're going to go like you said, and and I think like you kind of, you even said it, you said that right after your father had passed, you had said you felt the acceptance that, that part, that Johnson part that came into you that was Immediately, like, Immediately, it was right. just like, well, this is, you know, what, what happened. Right. And so. Right. And some people will do that. They'll start with the acceptance and yeah. then they'll go through different stages later. And you may, and there are also, I know there are people that have asked before in different, like I've sat in on, you know, in my schooling and stuff, sitting in on sessions and people will ask like, well, I didn't go through the stages of grief. Like, is there something wrong with me? Or like, should I have? And again, it does not matter. Whatever you feel when you're going through this is exactly what you're supposed to be feeling. So kind of too, when I was saying with the sitting in on counseling sessions and so on, you know, one of the things that people will ask is as we navigate through the steps of grief, um, how do we help ourselves? And so I wanted to get your perspective on that first. I mean, how were you able to kind of help yourself through the process? I knew that with time, you know, Mm -hmm. just like with anything, that I would 
get back to some sense of normalcy or, you know, for what me is, what for me is considered normal. Right. Exactly. Uh, talking to you honestly helped oh. a lot with that. And you saying things like what you are feeling is what you're you supposed sh- to be feeling right now and allow it to happen. And that, I know it sounds so silly, but no one had ever told me that. And right. so like you made it okay Aww. for me to be feeling what I was feeling when I was feeling it. Right. And I typically tend to issue feelings. Well, and that's again, and that's totally something that, you know, you are allowed to do. Right. You are allowed feelings. to <laughs> lame. <laughs> who, who wants, wants to feel yeah, who wants to go over all that? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean so it's it, boring it, and like a lot of work. No thank you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ew. Oh right, feelings. yeah. Get, get away, feelings. It's like a like a fly swatter. Just yeah, slap just it away. It's a nuisance more oh. than anything. But you helped me to accept that they're normal and how to accept them. Oh, and thank well, you for well, that. Well, no, of course. I mean, and and I just you know, and that is again for anybody that is out there. I mean, and and to answer that question from the mental part of it, I mean, there is. It's probably one of the most difficult parts about grief to consider. But like my gut instinct and kind of what I told you is harsh or to not make it insensitive as what it might seem, but you have to allow yourself the time and a safe place and with the support you need to feel the grief as you feel it, because there is no right or wrong way to grieve someone. So you kind of take each flood of emotion as it comes and eventually work your way through what you're feeling. So in the most basic of examples that I can think of, you know, grief is kind of like being on a tiny boat in the middle of a violent hurricane. And, you know, there are times where it might feel like you won't make it, or there might be times where, you know, you might feel like you're in the middle of the storm and the only way to get out though is to keep going. And it doesn't mean that there won't be times where the boat just doesn't move and you're just getting hit. And there doesn't mean that there aren't times that like you want to be Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump and just shout angrily into, <laughs> you know, the water and, and, and curse and scream. Um, and there might be times where you're praying to whatever your higher power is and you're pleading for the storm to just not be there at all. But all of these components are the terrifying and sometimes the merciless, but ultimately the inevitable parts of loss, grieving, and living. And, you know, there was one I want to think of. Um, actually, it was her book. So um, I can't remember her name. Oh, it was so psychologist um, Mary Frances O'Connor. She wrote in her book, it's called The Grieving Brain, The Surprising Science of How We Learn from Love and Loss. And she said that grief, it's been said, is the cost of love. The yearning and sadness we feel after someone dies is the price we pay for the close relationships that we treasure. And that's a bitch. You know what I mean? That is that is so hard to think about. But once you do come to that place of acceptance and you've kind of worked through your grief, I think suddenly there there are those times where you're like, you know what, at least I had somebody so close and so important with those memories and with what I will treasure that I had that because imagine not have having had that at all. Right. And again, it's a bitch. It doesn't make it any easier, but it is, I mean, can you relate? Do you you think that's, there's some truth to that? I, I think it's worth it to have had the experience of being a part of his life. Right. And yeah. I'm sorry. I know that's really hard. I mean, sometimes it it just is the biggest kick in the heart and like to the point where you can't breathe. Right. And then most of the time and with time, then you can reflect on all of the wonderful things. And it does it does come back around to that. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't feel like it at the time. But yeah, it, does. it doesn't feel like 
you're going to get there. All of the things that people say, Mm -hmm. like, you know, just give it time. Your heart will heal or whatever. Same with like a breakup, you know, all of the cliches and all the same things. Yeah. Your old great aunts told you, like, it's all true because it's, you know, they've been through it and it is real. All of the things that people say are for a reason. Mm -hmm. It does get better. Right. And it is. (laughs) You will be okay. Well, and there is even from the neurocognitive side of it. I mean, when you have a bond with somebody, your brain encodes this bond in the same way, kind of like you said, and, and loss can be, you know, and we've been talking a lot about the loss of a loved one, but it could be a relationship. It could be the loss of a job. It could be your, I mean, anything really. So, but when you do have that brain structure, that's kind of saying over and over, like, this is what this person's associated with. And obviously this is a person or a thing of safety or security. So when that is no longer in this physical world, you know, there does come a point where you need to almost retrain your brain to an extent. And I think that's a lot where, yes, there's the hole in the heart, there's the kick to the gut, there's all of that, but your brain is essentially that's what's filtering that. And eventually you will come to a point where it never, and I'm not trying to be again, insensitive. I'm not trying to say that you're rewriting somebody out of your life, but that's, it's not the case by any means. You're not getting rid of this person. You're not, you're not taking them out of your mind. You're figuring out a way to live without them. Yes. Yes. And that was another one of those phrases that people use. Like you don't get over it. You learn how to live with it. Right. And it's 100% true. It's absolutely very accurate. Well, we've said before in a couple of the other episodes, like when people are going through mental health crisis or when they're in distress, um, the number one thing that you want to make sure that you are doing, you're taking care of your basic needs first. So of course, especially when we're experiencing loss, you know, it's okay to turn to that tub of our favorite ice cream and just sit on the couch and zone out and and be with friends or go out for a night to just forget about your troubles. But we can't eat the ice cream every day. And if our grief is starting to get ahead of us, which is what it will likely do, um, we need to make sure that we are we're taking the steps that we need to, to not let that happen. Because that is when we'll notice a lot of times when the severity of the situation kind of overtakes and, and you can get into a dangerous place. And I know like you had said that with your depression, it had taken you there. And when you do get to those moments, you have to rely on your support groups. You have to rely on whoever is there that can help you. Any of the resources you can find, hopefully if you do get to the point of calling the suicide hotline, somebody picks up for you. I mean, that's, that's what we can hope going forward. But you know, there are all of those, those ways of taking care of yourself, even when it doesn't feel like you should be taking care of yourself, you still need to eat your, you know, nutritious meals, you need to make sure that you're keeping up with your hygiene. Um, You need to make sure that you're finding healthy forms of coping, uh, whether it's walking, writing in a journal, meditating. And I know all of this, and I've said this before, all of this sounds like a bunch of fluff. Like, and I've had, I've seen clients come in and they're like, like, this is never going to work. But if it's something that works for you, then keep it and keep it going. I mean, did you have anything to add to that or any? I think that like having other people telling me to do things like drink water mm-hmm. was crucial because right. you forget Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, like you said, with the the hygiene, with with all of it, I didn't shower for days. Yeah, I was busy. Yeah, like, you know, right. I, right. There was no time for that, right. and I didn't want to be away right. for any given second yeah. at all. And yeah. so, you know, and like, it can be one of those things, like especially the water. I know it sounds so silly, but it's like 
Wait, I haven't had water. In I had two to days. have someone remind me to drink water. Yeah, because I, yeah. I couldn't remember the right. last time I had drank water. Right, and we both grew up, I think, in small towns where when somebody passed away, people brought around a hot dish yes. or a casserole. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or, yeah, I so mean, you don't have to worry about right. Like, and there are reasons why head. that yeah. was such a staple. You know, especially in places where it's cold. Uh, you know, because it's like you can kind of really get into those 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 yes. harder moments of life. So. Um, and all of these things, they are, we're saying this because they are important to keep yourself kind of on track with getting through the process. And that's what the whole point of this was, was again, it's different for everybody. It's not easy, but the more that you kind of can keep on task, hopefully the sooner you can get to a place where you are living your life to a new norm that you are willing and able to accept. I think I'm willing and able to accept more now that I'm on the other side mm-hmm. of this experience. Mm-hmm. There are, I mean, there are a couple doozies that you're just never going to be ready for. Like the, if you're a beneficiary mm-hmm. on any kind of life insurance policy, you mm-hmm. have to fill out forms. Yeah. And so like just opening the envelope is hard. And then right. you get all the way through filling out the paperwork and then all the way at the end, you have to fill in that person's name and their date mm. of death. Mm-hmm. And to write it on a piece of paper, like right. that is, that is challenging. Yeah. That's, that's the first one that really hit me. Like, right. I had to be on the phone mm-hmm. with the, the, the lady. Yeah. The lady. Right. <laughs> Just to get, yeah. I had to make yeah. it like I'm doing business things and right. this is all it is. Cause otherwise there was no way. Like I've, my hand was shaking. Right. Right. I've been with somebody before when they got a call from the hospital because their loved one was an organ donor and they had to have that conversation because they were talking about specific things that they needed. Um, so that's also right. And, and in those moments, and again, when it's, and I mean, and her reaction was extreme frustration and then anger and then outward projections of anger. And it was understandable. I mean, it was completely like, yeah, you get it. But then her wife was actually there and was kind of talking her down a little bit. And she was like, this is what she wanted. We have to remember that we have to go. And and those are the things that you never, ever want to think about. I'm sure if I brought in, uh, you know, somebody who worked in the medical field who could tell you, I mean, horror stories of how these moments happen directly as somebody or immediately after somebody has passed, it would be a whole new perspective of how you do deal with things. Yeah. Not making that any easier. But again, just kind of keeping in mind these are some of those harder, more difficult parts. Of we've grief. all talked about it. We've all heard about it. But when it is you in the situation, mm-hmm. there's suddenly just, you know, yeah, obviously this whole different perspective. Yeah, like, 100%. A lot of light bulbs are like, <laughs> that's what they, like, that's why people always say that. Yeah. Or, you right. know, a lot of that came together for me. And right. I didn't need to have that knowledge. I wasn't, yeah. I didn't want to, Yeah, but so got it now. Right, right. There have been studies, and it's interesting because especially, because psych is kind of one of those things where as a science, we do recognize it, but of course it's not a science that is the same as, you know, what it would be to be in another form of, say, biology or whatever you want to say. But, you know, there are a lot of connections between spirituality and psychology, and there are studies that have shown that many of us do believe in an afterlife presence of our loved ones, even after they have departed, they still seem to be around us. Have you had, do you believe in any of that? Do you feel like your dad's still kind of with you to an extent? Typically no, but, uh, butterflies for some reason Mm. for me, but like the white ones. Oh, okay. Like mid afternoon fluttering around like that right after 
he died, there was there were a bunch of white butterflies in the yard, like mm-hmm. coincidentally, right outside right. of his house in Maryland. And so now, when I see white butterflies, I just I think of him. Oh, like, okay, oh, hey, yeah. I know when my um, when my grandfather passed away, my on my mom's side, um, she had a correlation with ducks. And I don't know what it was. There was just something. And it was always like these ducks that you don't really see all the time. Like, I don't know what species or whatever it was. But uh, it is funny. I think birds are definitely something. I've heard that with so many people. Mm -hmm. I've heard like cardinals or I've heard dragonflies, you know, especially like things that fly. I feel like there's some spiritual kind of connection with those. Um, Freedom, I think, too, is a big kind of part of that. So it's 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 just It's a nice, pleasant thought for Mm -hmm. me. And then I found out later that my dad's wife and one of my sisters also see butterflies kind of in that same sense. Like, Oh, Hey. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. And there's been, there's also been, I've heard of people that have, they've, they've woken up and their whole bedroom smells like somebody or, and especially like if they use, like, I remember some people have correlated because I still think about it for some reason, like old spice. Cause I think it has such a unique kind of scent to it that they're like, Oh my God, my whole room smelled. And that's what, so-and-so war or that's what reminds me of them and it is interesting how these kind of seem to pop up and it does and i think those are kind of little moments where it reminds you like it's a it's a subtle blessing of just hey they're still here and i mean you know no matter what we believe i think we all find comfort in knowing that even though somebody is gone their presence is still here and we do honor them and we still kind of find ways to to bring them into our lives even as we do go forward accepting that it's going to hit me in different ways at different times was, was hard for me. And I know that we've talked about that a lot before I can see a photograph of my father. And sometimes I'm like, Oh, what a great Halloween or whatever. And Mm -hmm. then other times I'm like completely boohooing on the floor. Yeah. And so it's, and it's the same photo. Right. 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 (laughs) Right. Just make you feel very different different reaction depending on, you know, my mood, whether or not I've eaten, yeah, whether or not I'm sober. Yeah. These are all factors in that. But You just, you never know. And so expecting the unexpected is, is the hardest part. And having someone to talk to, to talk me through mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. would have been really helpful. And yeah. again, it wasn't that other people weren't suggesting that. Like, yeah. you should probably see a counselor. I'm like, yeah, I should. Mm-hmm. And then just didn't. And right. so I feel like I would have done myself a solid gotcha. for understanding well, and you know what? It's never too late. And there might still be some things in there. I know feelings are hard to talk about, and I'm not trying to say right now on record that like, oh, maybe you should. And I I would say it to anybody. I say it to people who aren't going through grief, um, people who aren't experienced. I say it to people who are stressed out from their job. I'm like, you know, you should think about talking to a counselor. So I'm always going to advocate for that. But I just want you to know, like, as you do say, I should have. I mean, it's never too late. And, you know, you can't go back and take that away. I mean, you did exactly what you had to do and you are here today and that's what's important. And that's what, I mean, keeps us going. So I figured it out, but I I worry about, you know, what would have happened if it hadn't struck me as funny. Mm hmm when mm-hmm. the suicide hotline didn't answer. Right. You know? Right. If I'd been in a different a very mood different or a different whatever or yeah, hadn't eaten all of enough. It. Right. Right. <laughs> you right. know, I could have had a very different reaction to that. And that's right. scary. It is scary. I that's, agree. I, so when I say I should have had someone to talk to or should have sought that out for myself, mm-hmm. that's a good safety net to have for when you're not thinking rationally. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you on that. Well, we're kind of getting to a point of wrapping this up. I have a few more things to kind of add to, but you know, is there anything like in general you'd want to say or any kind of closing remarks or anything? <laughs> 
checking my notes. <laughs> uh, if there's any other bit of advice that I could offer if you are dealing with a situation where you have a terminal illness mm -hmm. or you know what's coming, mm -hmm. research the funeral home beforehand. Okay. Yeah. Don't wait until afterwards because mm -hmm. then you're stressed and then you're exhausted physically yeah. and yeah. mentally and not in your right mind. Right. All of them, they're all, they all suck. Yeah. Right. I, they're all a ripoff. They yeah. all charge way too much for what they offer because they can. Right. So, right. I mean, you're not going to find yourself the best deal, but mm. what you are doing is having the peace of mind of having that arranged beforehand. Right. So you don't have to stress research. Right. Funeral What's going homes. Because that's going to make it even while your more loved difficult. one is deceased in the next room. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, don't wait until afterwards. Yeah, make sure you get those those moments in there. And it's not easy to do, but, right. you know, pour yourself a giant glass of wine <laughs> or iced tea or whatever gets you through your whatever you need. Yeah, and, and just do and it. Just, get it just done. Google, like, just funeral get home. It done. Get, read the reviews. Yeah, yeah. Because we, we had a bad one, and then we ended up finding a better one. But, like, you know, you don't want to do that research and deal with that, like, after the fact. No. It's not fun to do it beforehand because it forces you to think about it. Right. It forces you to right. address it. Like, this is something that I'm going to need. I need to research a funeral yeah. home. But I promise you it's way better yeah, <laughs> to right. do it then, beforehand than, to have than when you really need it. Right. Right. That's a really good piece of advice. I mean, and again, something I would not have thought of if I was yeah. in that situation. Make right. sure that it is figured out. Read the out reviews and... for their bedside manner, so to right. speak, for how they deal with situations. Because, right. again, they deal with this all day, every day. Yeah. So they're it's real matter-of-fact about it. They're yeah. not going to sugarcoat things. Right. Like, they forget that, like, this is the first time I'm experiencing this. Right. Can you maybe ease me into this process a, a little, little bit? Better. Yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Well, if... You know, I, I just want to say before this does get wrapped up, you know, to anyone um, who's currently listening and working through their grief, you know, I am I am so sorry for the loss and for what you are feeling. You are strong and you are capable of riding out this storm. And though the light at the tunnel may seem so far in the distance, you're not sure if you will ever get to the light. Just keep going. Take advantage of any of the resources you have available to you. Reach out to those who can help you whether this is a friend who can listen or a professional who can help guide you. I want you to make sure you try to listen to your grief and don't be afraid to feel the feelings you have, even if they make you feel vulnerable or uncomfortable. Take care of yourself and remember, and I'm willing to bet that whoever is parted would want you to live as happy of a life as you can. So take care of yourself and keep yourself and your wellness in mind as you move forward with your own life. And eventually the light at the tunnel will become brighter. And though your grief may never truly go away, and though you may hate me for saying this, how lucky we are to have had someone in our lives who have meant so much to us, who has taught us so many lessons, and who have created so many beautiful memories with us. And we're able to take that grief in the first place. So to Carrie, I am very, very thankful to have had you here today. I know it's not always easy to talk about and be so open about something this difficult. So I thank you for your bravery and your compassion, your genuine heart. And I, I, I know that's really shown through today. I know you've helped somebody. I absolutely have every, every inkling and every positive feeling about it. So you are a wonderful part of my life. And I have a feeling your dad is very proud of you and for being the person you are. I hope so. Thank you. And another big thank you and shout out to the Collab Studios 
We are so close to launching, and I'm sure Christina and Tyler are ready for all of my texts to stop coming in with all the questions that I have. Um, but the entire staff here has always been so gracious and helpful, and I could not thank you guys more. And though we have talked about it in this episode, uh, I don't want to discourage anybody from trying. But if anyone that you know or yourself are experiencing a mental health crisis, go to 988lifeline.org, or you can call or text 988 Hopefully someone will be there to talk to you. And thank you again to all of my listeners for tuning in again. This is an episode of On What Brings You In. I am Bradley Wank and have a wonderful rest of your day. 